0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition director's cut version of Shenmue Dojo interviews. You may have caught my interview with Shenmue 3 voice director Bill Black a few weeks ago, where we discussed all sorts of topics around the voice direction recording of Shenmue 3. However, about two weeks prior to this, we actually recorded an interview before. However, upon Bill and I listening back to the interview, we actually discovered the sound quality on both our ends was quite frankly, not good enough for us to release. So we decided to make the executive decision to do a reshoot. And that is the product that you obviously got a couple of weeks ago. But in our first interview, there's some really good answers that Bill gave that I felt I wanted to release to the Shenmue community. And Bill was actually in agreement that we, we should at least release these. So what I've done is put together a director's cut of the best answers that Bill gave to some of the questions that I asked previously. So there might be some repetition, etc. For our YouTube people, um. I will put the questions up on the screen so you can just see them at your leisure. And for our podcast listeners, there will be a small sound that plays between each question just to signify a change. I hope you enjoy this, everybody. Um, It's a nice little bit of um, community stuff. It's a great little director's cut. and I must thank Bill personally for allowing me to release this. Enjoy, everyone. (laughs) you were involved initially sort of hiring the directors. Um, what well, At the time when you were hiring, what did you look for in directors?
1: Well, I was rather naive at the beginning. So I was just looking for somebody who knew some actors and appeared to know what they were talking about. And as I worked with these people, I saw pluses and minuses. And probably to encapsulate it best, um, there's a lot of directors that talk too much. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. an old, there's an old music joke. It's uh, how many guitar players does it take to put in a light bulb? And the answer is 10. <laughs> one, of them, one of them to play the notes and the other nine to critique it. And I found a lot of these directors were, were, were quite, con- they would have done it better. And I kind of got away from hiring actors that were directors. And I was looking, what I learned was, I was looking for the people who looked at the overall production, but more importantly, the director's not paid to talk, the actor is. Give them some guidance and let them go. You know, there's nothing that, what's important is that they create that character in that moment in time. And, and, and their best, a, a properly cast actor is best left to their own to continue the flow. And that's where I finally said, look, I can just, I'm i just going to do it myself. And that was pretty much what I learned over those uh, early years. Fast forwarding
0: into the Shenmue 3 project, um, when were you first approached to work on the project and what, what was the brief you were given around the game itself? Well, it started
1: long before I got involved and I don't understand all of the details. I have to defer to Ryan on that. but. There was an issue with, they wanted to record quality voiceover actors and of course me being in Hollywood most of my life, this is where the actors are, but there was no way the budget was going to work. They had sent me some samples for my opinion on other outside of LA area and I was brutal and honest that this was, these were not actors, these were people doing voices. There's a significant difference. And, but I believe the budget issues were ultimately resolved. And then I was employed at the time by the company that did the localization. And at that point they said, well, you're gonna have to do it and do it on budget and record it in Los Angeles. And, but my involvement was several months ahead of time. But at the time I was approached, I was, I did not know that I was going to be involved as a director, as a creative. I was only giving my opinion on processes of reporting at the time. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. So, when did it sort of change over from being asked sort of a, a professional opinion on process and how things should be done to actually taking on the direction itself?
1: Uh, I believe there was a there was a and forgive me, it's been several years. Uh, I believe there was a threshold they crossed that met the financial requirements to do it in Los Angeles. I can't give you a month or anything. It was sometime in 2018 and then it became real and they said, look, put together a production plan and then execute it based on this budget. And so I think sometime probably toward this, I want to say the summer of 2018, it became, it became obvious that I was going to be deeper involved in it uh, from a creative point of view.
0: So summer 2018, you're becoming much more involved. So at that point, what was your job in terms of getting things together, getting things ready and getting prepared for actual recording itself?
1: Well, there was the production side, which is kind of a, where am I going to record it? Who's going to be my engineer? Uh, what kind of support am I going to need from support staff? And what is my budget and time frame? So the producer's hat looks at all of those things. The director's hat says, well, what do you guys want? Um, Really, all I have is two previous games from roughly 20 years ago and Corey. That's what I'm starting with. And the input I received was, well, you know, we want to do it with professional voice actors. And it had become, honestly, it had become the butt of jokes. The lack of quality, I'm being generous, the lack of quality of the original recordings versus the vision of what they wanted Shenmue 3 to be. Um, because a b- bad voice acting isn't unique to Shenmue Three. anybody who played the original Resident Evil knows that. It's, it's grown, progressed, and developed over the years, and we, were at, we had arrived at a point where we needed to put that, that Hollywood magic on it. So the creative side of me said, okay, let me look at it like I would look at any script. Uh, once the production questions are out of the way, who are the principals, characters, and who, what actors are we going to consider for those roles? And that's when I started the audition process. A third area, which is critical to me, was the fact that this took place in China. And uh, non-native speakers are brilliant at butchering other languages. And I'm a real stickler for both pronunciation and continuity, as well as respecting the names and honorifics of of another language that's integrated into English. So, I brought on an assistant that, that spoke, um, I believe, Mandarin, and, and more importantly, could help with the uh, pronunciation of the Chinese cities, proper nouns, names, and such. And because Chinese, like French, sounds nothing like it's spelled, uh, she was very helpful in this regard because she could sit in front of the actor and say, okay, this is how you say this name, Z-H-A-N-G actually sounds like this. And she would read it to the actor. Uh, That was another element I had to get right. And then continuity. So every actor who said that city name or that proper noun had to pronounce it in identically the same way. So we would have recordings of, say, Corey saying the name, and then uh, another actor would come in and say, okay, here's how Corey said it, and this is correct, listen to it. And then they would follow that pronunciation. Those were all of the things that I considered. The third thing that came to mind was I had primary, secondary, and tertiary voiceover. There was no way I was gonna get this done on time. So I tapped on a writer, director, actor I knew uh, who was very experienced in Texas, and he had recently relocated out here. And his name is Chris Bevins. And I said, you've gotta cast and direct all the tertiary characters. And he went into a separate studio in the same building and was doing the, the, a lot of the smaller NPC roles while I was doing the primary and secondary. And he worked on that for months with me until he wrapped up his section of the script. Those were all the things that I took into consideration in order to make the deadline on time. And uh, Bevins did a great job.
0: So how long were you given then from the project start to actually getting wrapped on the voiceover
1: recording? Well, I can't give you that exact one. I can tell you it took us four months to do the recording. There was um, pre-production, translation, etc. I really wasn't involved in. And the post-production was a living nightmare, and that went on much longer than it should have, and that was rather out of my hands. But the actual core recording, casting, directing, recording, about four months. And these were long days. Um, I had poor Corey in the studio sometimes for four hours at a time. And uh, he, he, uh, he did an amazing job as a trooper.
0: We all know that Shenmue 3 was done on a fraction of the budget of the original two games. Obviously it was a Kickstarter project initially, picked up by a publisher later on. How did you get that balance between maximizing the quality of, of what you were doing and managing that that budget that probably wasn't what you may be used to working with on a title that much of that much dialogue many many hours
1: with an excel spreadsheet working out what i could do on the budget i was given and i mean that's a challenge in localization because uh, unlike an original production where you generally have a lot of time to work on it because all the other animation and, and all the other code is being done the product's done We want to get it into the other language and get it available to the um, to the players so i would just it's really it's really pretty boring not to be honest with you you look at the line count the character count the word count how much is synchronization and how much is not synchronization and divide those into formulas for hours and then the number of actors you're going to pay to afford to pay and then how many voices each actor is going to have to get done in order to spread it out. But to be honest with you, it's it's, it's not a particularly um, exciting area of the business, but it's all done on a spreadsheet and hopefully you you hit it pretty much on the mark. And that's what we did with, in this case. There
0: were certain things that, obviously were picked up during my questions, which I'll come to. And one of those is the casting. And Shenmue fans, for want of a better expression, um, have quite a close affinity to the original voice actors. I mean, Corey is a staple of the community. He's always you know, streaming, speaking to fans, interacting with fans. But the other voice actors, such as Eric Kausa, who played Ren, wasn't cast. What was the reason for um, Eric Particularly not being cast, and what would you know, what would could have happened if he was, or was that just never on the table?
1: Okay, this is going to be a long answer, um, and I may offend some people, but this is how the business works.
0: Uh, no, please be honest. All
1: right. Um, first of all, well, the first point I'd make is everybody knows. Just go on to uh, YouTube; it's become a joke on how dreadful the original acting was. I'm not saying all the voice actors, but that's just in general. It was a concept. And uh, honestly, I have to defer to Ryan again on the story behind the voice acting and how it came about that that was done in the in L.A. Uh, That's really his area. But I was basically told you need to use professional L.A.-based voice actors. Get it done on this budget within this time constraint. And I. I looked at that first, then I looked at the older characters and in context, the story, and this is what's vital, the characters, I looked at the legacy characters, I guess for lack of a better term, and I said, how much do they contribute to this story? They may have been huge in the previous one, but in this third sequel, are they really telling this story? And I looked at it and I thought, you know, actually it's a sentimental moment because they're all still in Japan. and 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 it's just a phone call so I I thought well they're not really part of the critical storytelling that was that was another area I also felt like some of the primary characters could be much better executed 20 years later so um, to be perfectly blunt I only work with Los Angeles based actors I've had a few experiences with working with, with actors out of the area it's been a disaster with the exception of some people in the in Dallas area, which just has a big, big, good community there. And the, the, recur- the recurring characters that, you know, that played a role, um, I felt that I wanted them supported by LA pros and anything lower than that would have stood out. So Shenmue was an all LA professional cast. And a lot of the fans don't understand this, but that's how Hollywood works. And uh, I use an analogy, Uh, if you want to be a deep sea ocean diver you don't live in Kansas. If you want to be a professional actor move to Hollywood and that's really what it is. And I understand there's a sentimental element there but the 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 roles that they played in this story really weren't driving the story and weren't significant to it. So it was really just a, a, a more of a sentimental fan thing. And the last that I'd add is I wasn't even informed. Oh yeah, these a legacy actors are, are important to a certain fan base. I had no way of knowing that. And the ones that were still in LA, which was, uh, I always get her, I butcher her name, Lizzel Wilkerson. Yeah, I, the motorcycle girl. I've known her for years before that. She knew, But, um, it's, you know, I brought her back because she was right here and ready to go. And she recreated that character. So that decision is, does not make me popular among certain fans. And I've, I've, I've had unbelievable criticism for it, but you, from, a, from a director's perspective, first of all, how important is that character, the role to the story that I'm trying to tell, do I have the time and the ability to do this? And in the overall scheme of things, you know, that's a tremendous amount of time, money, and effort to make, and it's not Xinhua and Lan and Roe telling the story is a phone call from some guy from a video game from 20 years ago. And I understand the importance of the character, but the specific actor that played it probably wasn't going to really change the outcome of the story. And I have been berated for this. So if, if, if you're still unhappy with me, I have been punished. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I appreciate your honesty, Bill, in all honesty. And part of why I wanted to get you on was to get your side of how this worked, because there, I think there was an assumption within the community that certain actors would come back. But understanding the process that's gone on behind the scenes, I can see potentially why they weren't called back. I know it's an unpopular decision, um, but unfortunately you have to make unpopular decisions in life, don't you?
1: You do indeed and uh i mean if i could go back in time i would have had a pre-production meeting with ryan i didn't even know who he was they just said some guys come into the studio and don't worry about it and that's when i first met him and got to understand the story behind it i would have loved that exposure in advance i may have made different decisions but but the the employer i was working for at the time chose not to uh introduce him to me or much of the backstory i kind of Picked it up as I was going along. I don't know their thinking behind it, but at the end of the day, um, with the exception of not using these legacy actors, I've, I've had positive feedback.
0: Talk me through. Obviously, we had we had a new Shenhua, Brianna Knickerbocker was cast as Shenhua. Can you talk me through the audition process for sort of Shenhua, Ren, and these more primary characters, and how they came into the roles?
1: Um. I had a feeling early on that Brianna was right for the role. In fact, the way I cast a lot of games is sometimes, well, more often than not, to be honest with you, I hear a source language and I immediately go, oh, I know who should do that role. And when I read the character description and then I I listened to the recording of of Brianna, she had the right flavor for it. It was just right immediately. Because Shenhua isn't overly passionate, uh, but but she... uh, she, she's a kind of a reserved character, and I just felt that the tone nailed it. And then when you hear Chinois and a row, uh, Tori and Brianna talking together, it just seems that, you know, this is chemistry. And we see this often in video games and film. There was just an instant chemistry. I wish I could say, oh, it's a scientific thing, but it's not really. I just go, oh man, that Brianna is Chinois. And then Brianna said, yeah, I think, I think so too. And then you and the rest of the, of the team said, yeah, we got this. And it turned out quite good. And I like her tone. It's just, it's unique. It's almost haunting to me. She's done some other work with me and it, but um, that particular character she created just had a haunting and indelible flavor to it that uh, it's, it's hard, it's difficult for me to articulate it, but it's kind of like when, it, when it's right, it's right, but perhaps you, I can't really, I'm not really good at describing it just say listen and watch the cinematics and and you know that she's the right counterpart that would be in that time period
0: yeah and that's part of the reflection isn't it when you finish a project is you look at it and go this was good this was bad i could have done this better obviously things that you you just talked about that were were unfortunately out of your control which is a shame but i can see what's happened and why it's happened so I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing a little bit here. If you were to come back and voice direct Shenmue 4, how would you handle it compared to Shenmue 3? Take budget out of it for a minute. <laughs> I'd probably call Eric
1: Kelso immediately. <laughs> 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 um, if, if there was another one, obviously, I, you know depending on the script, of course, because it's a story and I don't know what a new story would be. But I would more than likely... Uh, I would have complete control over the post-production and what went to post-production so that nothing that's that would be disappointing to fans would ever make its way into the game. Um, I would hopefully be able to get some fan feedback prior to going to production. You know, I mean, products are improved by the person who uses the product telling the manufacturer, hey, why don't you do this and that? I think that would be really... A good idea. You can't give everybody exactly what they want, but you certainly can uh, get some feedback and see uh, what we, you know. How can we improve this? So, I mean, the basics of the fundamentals of production wouldn't change much, but I think some of the artistic direction um, could uh, could be improved on any you know
0: subsequent Shenmue product. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And I suppose the question is, if um, would you want to do Shenmue four if it was announced?
1: Oh, without question, of course. I'd be very happy. I mean, it's an honor working with you, Suzuki, and uh, and the and the cast. And I would absolutely be uh, very pleased to have work on any element of any uh, future Shenko. It's an amazing franchise; it truly is. And um, it, it's it's a in a positive way. It's one of the most amazing cult following games I've seen, and uh, to see it alive now in the in this. Age. It's just absolutely fantastic. From Dreamcast to Shinmue Three, it's just, it's just, it's just been an amazing franchise. But it's a great story with great characters and great gameplay. So it's it comes as no surprise, but it's still amazing to see. It. So obviously,
0: talking about the community and. The Shenmue community is strong, it's the reason or one very, very large reason is why Shenmue was revived in itself Were you surprised about the, the strength of the community when you became involved with the franchise? Obviously you're, you're new, newer to it, but were you, were you surprised by the strength of the community and the voice of the community?
1: Um, I was very surprised First of all, their dedication and love of the game. Uh, I went back and looked at some of the uh, videos that were made by fans and whatnot of uh on YouTube, even of Shenmue 1 and 2. So I, I was surprised at how much they love the game. I didn't realize, I, I, or I should say I came to learn about key people uh, that are part of the Shenmue community. Again, Adam Korolik, um, Ryan, obviously Corey, Lizzle, and, uh, and others, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think probably I have to think Corey and Adam for really opening up the gate and saying, you look at this universe out there. I'm still learning. And again, you know, voice actors get a lot of attention. Directors, we're kind of we're behind the scenes and uh, we're all awfully, awfully busy. So I don't have the direct interaction that the actors and the other uh, pundits of the, of the community have. So I, ha- I don't think I've had the pleasure of seeing all of it to the extent, say, Brianna, Corey, Adam, Ryan have, but what little I've been exposed to has been fantastic. It's really, the passion is amazing. This has been such a significant milestone in my uh, my career. It's still, I'm still learning, to be honest with you, even though it's been released for a while, I'm still learning so much about the community and about the passion. And uh, I love to find out whatever I can. And I, of course, avail myself to anyone who wants to, uh, you know, to know anything. And of course, berate me for my casting choices on the legacy characters. It's, I'm still taking a beating and I will continue to take that. But uh, sure, it's, I'm still learning. Uh, I think people like yourself and, and others have had more exposure. And I'm just I'm fascinated with, uh, with their love. of it. People have sent some photos of actual locations. Uh, where the uh, where the, the it takes place and it's really interesting to see the live photos uh, in Japan and uh, and elsewhere that reflect the story's environment. I, I find that just so interesting.
0: Yeah and again, it goes into that sort of attention to detail. you look at the real life locations and what's in the game and they're spitting images of each other. Yes, they may change a location name. For whatever purpose, but what the, the source material they use and, the, and what comes into the game are uh, you know virtually the same thing. It's incredible inc- um, attention to detail, and obviously a good voice acting dub goes into that. And as I said, the conversation with Shenhua and Rio just I know they add to that. They add to that atmosphere, and the biggest compliment I can give it is that it it felt like stepping into a game without the twenty year gap.
1: Absolutely. And one of my research areas was, um, when did this take place? You And I learned it was a continuation of the story and as such would be in the 1980s. And uh, I'm giving away my age, but the 1980s was a a significant decade for me. And we made some interesting changes in the script because there were things that were in the original script translation that did not exist in the 80s. So we kind of went back and 80s fight it. Um, uh, one, of the, one that comes to mind would be they said, uh, what was the term? Oh, oh, that's so, the, one of the young girls says, oh, that's so goth. And I'm like, we didn't have goth in 1984. It would have been a new romantic, uh, would be the equivalent of that, of, of the person describing how someone else is, is dressed. That's pretty much is. And so we made changes like that for time continuity. Uh, there were no cell phones in uh, 1984, at least not as we know them today. So there were various things that we did, we did uh, adjust for age. Uh, one of the jokes was that Rohazuki is consistently asking for directions. So we used to say, uh, when he would, uh, after a couple hours where, do you know where I can find some 50-year-old or do you know where I can find cherry blossoms? Or do you know where the street is? We would we would flash on Corey Marshall's screen a Thomas guide. <coughs> For you younger folks, that was uh, before GPS, we had we had a it was a book with maps in it, so you could find your way around. So we used to tease point with that. I said, why does a road just buy a Thomas guide?